How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, everybody. Chris Landry here for this week's edition of the SEC Football Show as we break down all things that was this past week and as we look towards this week in the conference. I want to remind you that we are here every week breaking down SEC football, so make sure that you join us there as well as all of the family of Big Three Roll-Up podcasts that we roll out for you. We've got a conference podcast for every school. That's right, every conference that we cover every school in, I should say, every Wednesday. An SEC show, which you're listening to, the Big Ten show, the Big 12 show, the Pac-12 show, and the ACC show. So you want to make sure you want to check that out. If that's not enough, Check out on Tuesdays and Thursdays our college football show where we cover college the college game from a national perspective. We also cover uh, the NFL in our uh, NFL podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well. Be sure to check out all the podcasts throughout the big three roll-up family. Uh, you can catch the the local ones, the Florida, Florida State, Miami ones, the, guy, the one with the three guys that uh, cover all three. And, of course, don't forget uh, from the peak to the pit, where T.J. Pittenger and Ellie Peak discuss college football and beyond. Uh, it is a great family of shows that we think you'll absolutely enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by the great folks at 401k Generation. If you have a business in which to uh, set up a 401k for your employees, if you left a job and wish to roll over a 401k into an IRA, they can help you with that. In fact, if you have any questions on money management, investment inquiries, or just want to speak with someone to uh, see if you're on track for your financial goals, Eddie Rojas and his team at 401k Generation is who you need to reach out to today. Call Eddie and the team at 1-866-998-5879. Eddie's a huge football fan, so you're going to have something in common there. And trust me, he can help you, he and his staff can help you with your financial goals. That's Eddie Rojas at 401k Generation at 1-866-998-5879. Want more information, go to LandryFootball.com 
for all the film room breakdowns of not only games with players and teams within this conference, but around the country of college football and the NFL. From the draft to recruiting, you got it all covered here. Unique film room insights from a coaching and scouting perspective is what we do. We'll tell you a little bit about becoming a member of this podcast. If we can help promote your business and you're a good fit, we'd be glad to do so. So make sure that you uh, stay tuned for that. All right, the week that was, interesting week that was. Quick look at, uh, of course, Auburn beating a hapless-looking Arkansas program. We're going to get into each uh, in every game. Um, Florida, South Carolina, in a much controversial, officiated game. Get into that. LSU's slow start offensively, but takes care of Mississippi State in short order as they continue to impress. You think the shocker of the week was Vanderbilt getting it done after showing no signs of life, getting it done against Mizzou in a quagmire. Georgia taking care of Kentucky. Texas A&M, not all that impressive, quite frankly, but taking care of business against the Rebs. And, of course, Alabama getting it done against Tennessee, but uh, losing Tua in the process. And we'll start there. Um, Last year, we saw Alabama start to slip a little bit as Tua suffered an injury, a high ankle sprain, the other ankle now. So you're dealing with a situation where everyone will talk about, well, he's got three weeks. He's got two weeks. He's got a two weeks of healing. He's had the procedure, the tightrope procedure, that basically takes the tibia and the fibula and and takes the ligaments and ties them together, making it um, a quicker healing process and stabilizes it for future issues. Uh, He's expected to be back for uh, for LSU. Uh, That gives him two weeks to heal. And the week leading up to LSU where they're going to have to get him some practice reps if he indeed is going to play and with any degree of effectiveness. So that is going to be the key. And it certainly kind of <clears throat> changes things in the landscape of the SEC in that I think it would make LSU the favorite at this point, the way they're playing. So it's a it's a challenge for Alabama. If you look at it from Alabama's standpoint, it will put more focus on the running game, the defense taking a little bit more control of this game and see where it takes them. Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's been an interesting couple of weeks, and this is what, you know, we've talked about in the past of certain guys are more difficult to replace than others. There's no question that this is the toughest loss, and it is something we talked about all summer. Um, I, I don't think it's fair to call to an injury-prone. However, it is fair in my view to look at him and say that his body is such that, you know, I think it is a little bit conducive to injuries. Uh, I, I think just the body makeup and looking at guys' um, body types as, as a scout for years and seeing kind of what what is the makeup there. I do think there's some issues there, and I think that it has will have something to do uh, with his longevity in the league potentially. Um so, you know, I think it's something that we need to consider. 
I don't think this um, this eliminates Alabama, but I think this really changes things in terms of how they have to move forward and put themselves in a position, first of all, to get into the playoffs now. I think that it was uh, a pretty solid bet that they were likely to be in the playoffs. I think that LSU and Alabama were, were on and still are on a collision course, let's call it, um, with the winner in really good position. Obviously, winner's likely going to go on and win the West and represent the SEC in the conference championship game. This gives, while well, you had Alabama with a home field advantage, this certainly gives LSU an advantage because this Alabama team, no doubt, is led and is driven by the offense, and the offense is driven by the quarterback. The receiver's making plays, but the quarterback getting the ball out so quick, and it's not going to be the same. Um, it's going to, again, cause this Alabama team to have to refocus a little bit. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. In the game against Tennessee, uh, I thought that the Vols played hard. I thought they played fairly well in stretches. You could see that they're they're not where they're going to be a factor against the best teams in the league for some time. But I think that what I have seen is some ability to improve <clears throat> throughout the course of the season. But until they're able to continue to, to recruit well, and I think there's some issues from a development standpoint that needs to be addressed um, as well. I think they play hard. They don't always play smart. They don't always um, – put themselves in the best position to be successful. Uh, they were not a very highly penalized team coming into the game. They had a bunch of penalties into this game. You know, read into that what you want. Jeremy Pruitt reads it into um, maybe getting some unfavorable calls. That's fine. Um, I think there's another issue, though, that I would look at, for example, in the much-talked-about um, ill-fated quarterback sneak that clearly was not called a quarterback sneak. You know, a quote-unquote player going rogue doesn't happen if it's allowed to happen. You know, why is the player going rogue? What, what is going on to where the player either in the moment panicked and decided this was the best thing to do, uh, in a moment decided that this was what he was going to do regardless of what he was told or taught to do, there's a saying in coaching. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. So what was the case here? I think the play call series in that stretch wasn't very well designed, and they had other opportunities to score prior to that. Now, this is a matter of doing things the right way, doing having your team prepared, well coached. And, you know, again, I think that there's some issues with kind of the message getting across. Now, why is that? Listen, I, no one has the answer to that unless you're inside that building every day and coaching these guys. But I do think that it's something that they're going to have to look at, they're going to have to address, and they're going to have to make a determination on as to, you know, where do they deal with this going forward? How does this handled in the locker room, in the meeting room? This needs to be addressed. Why do we do this? It's not a calling out of a player. Um, and I, by the way, I don't care so much about 
dressing out a player and you know tugging his face and that that's that's fine that's coaching I, I'm more interested in what was the coaching that went on that led to a quarterback making that decision on his own if that is indeed what he did do which clearly it was a G power run the guard pulling the <clears throat> the tack on tight end blocking down that 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 was clearly it was run. It was designed to get out. So, again, communication issues, an assignment issue, not paying attention issue, you know, quote-unquote just going rogue is not uh, an explanation. It is a why situation that needs to be figured out going forward. So, um, as you, my take out of the game was there was some um, – that was the focus. That was, you know, the officiating was the focus. All those things are fine to discuss, but for me, it's about the bigger picture. Um, you can look at it and say, well, from Tennessee's standpoint, they came closer to Alabama than any other opponent this season. They had 13 penalties for 93 yards. Um, you know, um, Garantano was 7 for 16, 55 yards, not able to move the football through the air. It's a problem. Um, Alabama was penalized eight times. Um, so it wasn't a clean game. There's no question about it. Um, so I thought there were some, certainly a couple of bad calls. There's no question all of those things were true. Um but I look at it as a big-picture situation for both, that Tennessee still got a long ways to go in terms of what they're teaching, how they're teaching, and we'll see if that continues to get better, and certainly the, the personnel has to be better. That they, they did not play a clean game, and not all the penalties were bad. Okay, there were some bad ones. Not all of them were bad. Um, I think the better teams that you play – the more like you, you are to grab, reach out, and do things that you haven't done before. That That's just a reality. Um, and I think anything else is frustration, except for the ones that I think were bad calls. You've, you've got to coach your team a little bit better there, and you've got to play an almost perfect game to have a chance. Um, so that's my thoughts on the game. And, again, the, the biggest storyline is where does Alabama go from here? They've got – Arkansas this week, and uh, seeing a, a refocus of this team might be interesting uh, in this next week as they've got the open date after um, Arkansas. Mississippi State LSU, it was not a good start for LSU in this game. They did not play well. The offense struggled early, but they took off in the second half. The defense, I thought, played better. It was not against a good defense, but um, – uh, Burrow, I thought, was really good um, in the second half. I thought they really did a nice job of getting things on track. Um, uh, you know, I thought that Mississippi State did a good job on third down. They found no rhythm offensively, did LSU in the first half. They had field goals. Um, I, I think that is something you have to look at and have some expectation that you're not going to always hit on all rhythm on offense. And you've got to be able to make adjustments. You've got to – the defense has to step up. And they did. Uh, I think that's 
really key. And I don't I, a lot was talked about. Well, Mississippi State's not very good. And look, when your offense is not scoring points and you're having to rely on it more, you've got to step up regardless of who you're playing. I thought LSU did a good job defensively in that regard. Does it translate into this next week against Auburn? We'll see. It's a better opponent, a different opponent. But I thought that the, the receivers stepped up big and made plays. Um, looked like they're going to have Terrence Marshall back. Um, on the defensive side against Mississippi State, the freshman quarterback for the Bulldogs, Garrett Schrader, um, had two picks. Um, Kylan Hill, who had been running the football very well, has been slowed down in back-to-back games against Tennessee and now LSU. So uh, you, you can't turn the football over if you're going to have a chance to be competitive against a team like this, uh, even at home. And so um, LSU was able to get things done, do a really nice job in there. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a game in which we'll get into the matchup this week against Auburn that you win in conference. Look, let's this this conference this year, the SEC is is good and bad. You've got some really good teams and some really bad teams. So, you know, you're looking at some teams that are in the in the bottom of this league that are just not very good. And Mississippi State's not very good. Arkansas's not very good. Vanderbilt's not very good. Now, yet, Vanderbilt did beat Mizzou, and Mizzou was a pretty good team. But the reality is um, you got some teams that, can play at the highest level, national playoff caliber level. But then you've got, you know, some really weak teams, and it makes for some uneven matchups. Now, you could say South Carolina is an example of the last couple of weeks playing well, doing a good job against Georgia, and I thought did a nice job against Florida this week. For three quarters in this game, Kyle Trask, Overthrew some balls. They were ineffective running the football. There were penalties. There were misassignments. And I thought they really made some adjustments. There were some bad calls against, I think, Florida early in the game. I think there were some bad calls against South Carolina late. But Trask continues to move the offense. There were mistakes early. They continue to get a big play run or two per game. I thought they flipped the field with the punt game. And um, Trask now is thrown for multiple touchdowns in all three of his starts. He moves the team well. They had three unanswered touchdowns in this game. So the defense stepped up big. And, you know, they got an open date. They get ready for a struggling Georgia team. And they'll get some guys back healthy. They played hard. They played well defensively. People have asked me, well, what would have happened if they had those healthy guys against LSU? I don't know. It's football. It's part of football. And it's part of, quite frankly, being an elite team. There's, again, some injuries that are more difficult to overcome than others. But if you're going to be elite, you're going to have to have depth, and you're going to have to – that's where Florida's going to have to be. And it's why I've said to Florida fans, you know, your, your team is good. Your program's good. You're well coached. But you're not as talented as some of the teams in the league. And the depth of talent, the ability to deal with injuries. Look, it is tough. 
You can play the what-if game with everybody, but it is what you're able to do. Look, you, you, you had an injury to a quarterback, and you got, in my opinion, a quarterback that moves your team better in Trask over Franks. You know, that that is a great job there. And I think they're working through some things on defense and getting guys more playing time. And they've done a really nice job. Look, they managed to get the job done against South Carolina, and Georgia couldn't do that a week ago. And so I think it's nothing but positive what I've seen with Florida. I, I just think the biggest issue that some Florida fans are having is they think that they're elite in terms of that they – should be, oh, and they should win the SEC. You know, okay, let's let's win the East, let's beat LSU and go to the national playoffs. I'm not – anything can happen. All of that's still on their plate and possible. It is really shouldn't be the expectation. You can hope that it happens, but in reality, you're going to have, have some things kind of fall your way because in reality, you're not quite good enough to do that. You know, or, or you're not quite good enough to expect that. And I think that it can happen. But I think you need to realize how impressive it would be to kind of go on that type of run. And that if you don't do it, while you might be disappointed as a fan, you should not have that as your expectation. That's not an objective or an accurate expectation could it happen yes but it would be in my opinion an overachieving from a talent level standpoint relative to some other teams in the league you know um i'll say this pardon me i like florida's chances a lot better against georgia right now than i did at the beginning of the year i don't like the way georgia's playing i don't like the way um, they've been able to to really get things going offensively in the passing game. And if they don't fix it, this is going to be a tough game for them to win. But we'll see what they're able to do and what Florida is able to do. I A lot has been talked about the excitement of the LSU-Alabama game. And while I'm on board with that, um, and, and again, I'm going to go back to what I said, th- there are not a lot of those games this year. Like, you know, LSU-Florida was big. You know, LSU-Auburn this week I think is a little bit bigger than people are giving it credit for, but it's not as big as most people think. Most people think it's a given that LSU wins it. I think LSU wins it, but I don't think it's a given. I don't think anything's a given. But but it's a, a byproduct of Georgia good, Florida good, Alabama good, LSU good. But, but I think You've got teams like Auburn in South Carolina, Missouri, except for last week against uh, Vanderbilt. They're, they're, they're solid, but mo- you've got basically good at the top, really weak at the bottom, and very little middle class. So what you have is not a lot of big games in the SEC. There, there are not many of them. I think LSU-Alabama is big, but i got to tell you, Georgia-Florida – it's going to be really big. I mean, I, I don't know that that may not match in terms of – and I'm not – I know it. it's always big for the fan bases. I'm just saying I, I think that's huge. 
whereas I might have thought of it as, well, Florida's going to have to pull a big upset. Right now, I think Georgia's kind of come back down a little bit to where it is more attainable for Florida to win this game. And so we'll see how this plays out. I think it could go either way. I still think, obviously, Georgia has more overall talent. But the ability to be able to attack this Florida defense without more of an effective passing game, we're going to have to see how Georgia's going to be able to figure that out. Or, or if they don't, then, then they'll likely not be successful. But that game's going to be huge along with um, LSU-Alabama. So the next um, – Next couple of weeks after this week is going to be huge in the SEC for, for big, big matchup games. You remember last year we, a lot was talked about with Georgia-Kentucky, and we don't have that type of you know extra games outside of the, the major big games. Um, South Carolina is playing better. Got to give a lot of credit. They were a victim of some bad calls, but they were a victim of – they also were the benefit of some bad calls as well. Um I thought that offensively they struggled down the stretch. And and while they'll point to bad calls, which are there, I thought that Florida's defense really stiffened and caused a lot of problems. Um, so, look, I think that, uh, that, that South Carolina has it really on to something, to playing better. Um, I know that winning back-to-back games against Georgia-Florida would have been huge. For them, but the reality is they're on the right track and they're doing some good things. And I think both teams coming out of this game with some positives to work on, but yet long way away from where they need to be. Georgia <clears throat> beats Kentucky in a quagmire of a game that you really couldn't evaluate a whole lot in terms of strategic uh, performance, just more of this, you line up, you win with power, which fits right into what Georgia does and what Georgia's DNA is. They're going to run the football. They like doing that. This is what they were going to do. And by nature of that and by nature of the fact that um, um, what Kentucky's forced to do with their quarterback situation, um, they're going to have to do much the same. So it was pretty clear that it was going to be a close-to-the-vest game and you just don't lose a game like that because that's the type of game that due to weather, you could put the ball on the ground six or eight times and lose four or five of them and lose the game. Um, so I thought Georgia showed poise in the game. Um, the passing game, the receivers still are struggling to beat press coverage. That's the biggest takeaway, more of what was last week, more than this week, but it is something that they're going to have to address. Um Kentucky's got Mizzou, and again, Georgia's got the bye week leading up to to um, to Florida. Um, <clears throat> Kentucky, when I looked at the tape, just couldn't do anything against this Georgia defense. And I, I think the fact that it was rainy and sloppy only kind of played into Kentucky's hands to keep it a little bit closer. Once they got down in the game, and once they'll get down in games, they're they're going to really – struggle. Kentucky's not a not many people can just move on from their quarterback. When you have to move a guy to another position of quarterback, that's really tough. So I think we're we're seeing a, a different type of Kentucky team that's having to fight through some difficulties that's gonna make it um 
very problematic for them to win um, on any sort of consistent basis. Um, Arkansas-Auburn. Nick, Bo Nix moved the team very well. This is, this is another example, though, of competition so bad. I mean, I, you know, this is like playing an early season schedule against cupcakes. Arkansas is so bad, but, you know, what, what do you do? You, I thought Knicks moved the team well. They're running them more inside the red zone. That's been effective. Um, Arkansas is just so bad. Um, no, no turnovers. So it was um, a very efficient day. Knicks had... 12 for 17, 176 yards, and a, a touchdown strikes of 48, 28, 15. Um, you know, they're now 9-0, and coming off bye weeks under Gus Malzahn. Um, defensively, they continue to make big plays. Arkansas, you know, you, you think that by this stage, they Arkansas would be a little bit more effective offensively, and they are not. They, they're, they're bad defensively. They're on the field a whole bunch because their offense can't stay on the field at all. Um, and you go up against good defenses, it's been a disaster. Um, so it was the third quarter. Arkansas finally got on the board. I mean, 17-3 was as close as it gets. Quarterback plays bad. Um, you got real problems at Arkansas. You know, they couldn't stop the run. They had the awful fake punt. They gave up big plays on defense. The quarterback plays just hurting them. Uh, and that's their model. That's that's what they need to be. They need to be effective, moving the football, scoring points, and they're just not getting it done. There's no consistency with anything that they do. They'll hit on something and then be unable to sustain it. So this is, again, a team that can only be competitive against the weaker teams on their schedule, and even them are, are giving them more of a, of a chance. So, you know, as I look at this Auburn team, and we'll get into the breakdown against Auburn LSU, this defense is something to be, you know, you better be prepared to play this defense. They're really good. But it's offensively. Can they run the football? It's everything for them. It, it, their ability to be able to run the football and maybe run it with some tempo is the key to get the pass game going. If they can't do that, they won't be successful. It's going to be tough for them in uh, Baton Rouge, but we'll see what happens. Uh, and no one's given them a chance. So that kind of plays always plays into nothing to lose. So it's one of those games in which – you know, I think there's an expectation based upon how LSU's played that they're going to win. I think LSU's going to take Auburn seriously, but it's still they, they're they feeling themselves at LSU. They're looking ahead to Alabama. They don't see Auburn as a threat, and that's always dangerous. Auburn will look at it as nothing to lose, we'll be aggressive. This would be a big-time feather in Gus's cap if he can pull it off. Uh, if he doesn't, there's not that expectation that he would or should. 
amazed by what Vanderbilt was able to do against Missouri. Riley Neal came off the bench. He threw a touchdown pass, kind of moved the team very effectively. Uh, shocked, quite frankly, um, what they were able to do. Keyshawn Vaughn ran the football well. Uh, really, really impressed that they were um, able to put this performance together. You know, surprise, yes. I thought, by the way, Mo Hassan um, provided some spark. Then the defense played well. Um, They responded. You know, Missouri made a little bit of a run. They responded. The defense held Missouri to 180 yards below their average. Uh, they created negative plays on defense. They forced third and longs, and that was the difference. Missouri, for their part, didn't play well on offense. Again, were dominated by Vandy's defense. The offense had all those negative plays on offense, third and longs. Um, they got outcoached and outplayed by a desperate team. They're 0-2 on the road this year, Missouri. Wyoming, Vanderbilt. Um, you know, this is – Missouri is a byproduct of, you know, they're a good team, but their schedule is very favorable. Anything that in studying Missouri going into the season had to be factored in. You know what? The schedule is really favorable. And when you look at it, you know, Florida's better than Missouri, but, you know, Missouri's had some success against Florida. Georgia's not, certainly not dominant looking at this stage. You got Mizzou sitting there thinking, okay, they're playing pretty well. They had the hiccup against Wyoming the early part of the season. You know, they've got a good chance. Go unbeaten. Well, now they've dropped two. They've dropped two ugly-looking games. Should we be shocked that Vanderbilt played well? Well, in one aspect, yes, because they've not done it this year. But what do desperate teams tend to do? They tend to come out and they they tend to be aggressive to the point of, they're either going to get into a game that you don't expect or they're going to play their way out of it pretty quickly. Missouri came in. They had they had been scoring 31 or more points in 11 straight games. That's second only to Oklahoma. That's 16. This Vanderbilt defense that I thought would be pretty decent this year came in ranked 124th out of 130 teams allowing 480 yards a game. So, Missouri turned the football over. They had 12 penalties. Look, that's how it happens right there. Um, So, what does it really mean going forward? Look for Mizzou. They've got to cut down on the mistakes. I think a lot of it may have been taking a bad team, a team that looked bad on film for granted, and that was the difference. They've got to get the passing game going into Kelly Bryant. They've got to play a cleaner game. There's no question about it. Um, Vanderbilt has played themselves out of bowl contention, so it's a nice win. And let me say this. I think it was also, and you could you could tell by the comments by Derek Mason after the game, you know, and he said other things to the effect of he's the right guy for Vanderbilt – you know, it sounds like a guy that's coaching for his job in that, you know, he's got a new athletic director, and he's 
when you start saying things like that, but how much you love it, how committed you are, how you're the right fit, you're trying to sell yourself. You're trying to sell yourself to somebody. Derek Mason's trying to sell himself to his administration that he's the right fit for them. Just like Joe Moorhead's trying to sell himself that he's the right fit at Mississippi State. Those things, through my experience, keep that in mind. I mean, I think that's what's going on here. Texas A&M, Ole Miss. This A&M performance was not real impressive. They've got some issues. Um, There's no doubt that they're not where they need to be talent-wise. They have not been really all that impressive on offense. They got a win and and not much else. Um, Ole Miss could have won that game. There's the reason why they didn't, and I think they're limited in their own right. But Mon has not been all that impressive. You know, you just can throw it out that um, the record is what I – what he probably should be, but but I got to tell you, while there's not a game that AM's played where the rec- where the result surprised me. I mean, every game they lost, I thought they would. Every game they won, I thought they would. What has surprised me is how they've looked. They've not looked as good on film as I thought they would have. They've got a ways to go. They've got a lot of things to work on. I think Mon. Needs a lot of improvement. They've they've certainly got to get better up front. I think that uh, the offensive line play has not been very good. Um, you know, they play well defensively in stretch. I thought Johnson did a nice job. I thought Tyree Johnson did a nice job. Uh, but they've got to build on this. Um, for Ole Miss, you know, this is going to be interesting because – You know, I do think that Matt Luke is someone that is a fit in one regard. I think if they're able to keep the staff together, there's signs of improvement. But for how much? Look, I mean, you're not going to get much better at Ole Miss. What you have to do is is you've got to beat a Memphis or a Cal and – Cal was just better when they played them than they are now. You've got to get to a bowl game. And and that's that's what you have to do at Ole Miss. And I think that that's realistic is a, on a regular basis. But they're not going to make much inroads into the West. In fact, they're fortunate that Mississippi State's come back and not been as successful. And Arkansas so bad. So you've got a you've got a chance there, but you're still looking up at everybody else in the West. Uh, it's going to be interesting because I don't know that a coaching change is the right way to go if you're Ole Miss. Um, but yet, you know, I, I would say that the the moves with McIntyre and Rodriguez has worked out pretty well. I just don't know how sustainable it is. And I'm very curious to see where they go from here, meaning the rest of the season, how they want to play it out. Um, but, you know, in this game overall, I thought A&M 
was in big trouble. The defense stepped up. They made some big plays. They had a fumble recovery. Buddy Johnson was outstanding. But the offense just struggled way too much. Uh, the Ole Miss running game is getting better. Uh, it generated 250 yards, moved the football well, six yards to carry, but it couldn't get it done in the red zone. It stalled too often in the second half. Uh, Plumley was kept under wraps. He only completed four for 12. Matt Carell played. The offense just couldn't move it enough, couldn't control the clock, and uh, it's one that they could have won. So was one of those games where I looked at and thought, hmm, saw some good things from both, but not overly impressed with either. Game balls this week. Joe Burrow, Bo Nix at quarterback, DeAndre Swift, Kayshawn Vaughn, Georgia and Vanderbilt respectively at running back, Najee Harris at Alabama, Tavian Feaster at South Carolina, at receiver Seth Williams of Auburn and Jacob Coquelin at Florida, Justin Jefferson at LSU, Stephen Gidry at Mississippi State, Anthony Swartz at Auburn. They need to get the ball to him more. It's going to have to be a factor for Auburn this week. Henry Ruggs at Alabama. Kyle Pitts again at Florida. Cheyenne O'Grady, a bright spot in what has been an awful-looking Arkansas offense. Uh, Andrew Thomas at tackle. Yashir Durant of Missouri. Um, Isaiah Wilson of Georgia. Uh, Rosenthal of LSU. Guard Adrian McGee. Deontay Brown of Alabama. Uh, Austin Claps of Arkansas. Lloyd Cushenberry at center did a really nice job. Defensively, Anthony Jennings did a good job. Tyree Wilson of A&M. Anthony Jennings of, um, of, uh, of Alabama. Tyree Johnson of A&M. Marlon Davidson continues to play well at, at Auburn. Zachary Carter at Florida. Justin Matabuki at A&M. We've mentioned him a lot. Javon Kinlaw. <clears throat> he's a great, great talent. Um, Kyrie Campbell of Florida did a nice job. Rashawn Lawrence is playing well for LSU. Uh, linebacker Nick Bolton and Cameron um, Wilkins of Missouri, David Reese of Florida, DeAndre Square of Kentucky, Christian Fulton played well at corner for LSU, Cameron Dantzler at Mississippi State, Elijah Blades at A&M, and Javaris Davis at Auburn. I thought Grant Delpert played well for LSU, Jaron Maiden of Alabama, Jamie and Sherwood of Auburn, and uh, Nigel Warrior at Tennessee, Trevon Diggs. Obviously, did a good job. Brad Stewart, I thought, did some good things. So this week, as we kind of look over the landscape, uh, we've got Mississippi State A&M. I think we need to keep an eye out on Mississippi State. I do think the Jew Moorhead and Rutgers stuff is definitely out there and definitely a possibility. Um, for A&M, Got to get better and got to got to win games like this. I think to continue to build momentum, they've got to win the games they should win. Uh, Tennessee, South Carolina. Well, South Carolina's got some momentum. Tennessee feels a little bit good about themselves. Um, but South Carolina loses this game, or Tennessee loses this game. One of them will. Somebody's going to come out of this a little disappointed. <clears throat> South Carolina would be losing to a bad team on the road. Tennessee, all the positive signs about, oh, we competed well for a while against Alabama, kind of goes out the window. Missouri's got Kentucky. Again, Missouri's got to bounce back, take care of a very wounded Kentucky team. Alabama-Arkansas is just a scrimmage type of game. The game of the week clearly is LSU-Auburn, so I want to spend a little time on it. 
the whole, well, they haven't beaten LSU and Baton Rouge since 1999 is a stat. It's factual. What's really important is this team, these teams, this day. And what we're seeing clearly is an LSU team that is playing at a different level. Offensively, this is going to be quite the challenge against a very good defensive front. So while Florida presented some challenges, Florida did without their top two ends. This is clearly the most physical defense and best defense that they will have faced to this point by far. I realize Florida was it at the time they played them, but now it's going to be Auburn. I think the key to this game is can Auburn run the football? If Auburn can run the football and slow down the pace and limit LSU's offensive possessions, then they could take this game into the second half, have a chance in it. That's their formula. If LSU's able to get points early, this is where I think Auburn's going to struggle. Auburn struggles with the passing game when they have to be passed first. Their success in the passing game comes out of their run. It comes out of the right matchups, getting the safeties move, and getting those speed receivers in one-on-one matchups. Running posts, deep posts, skinny posts, and making plays after the catch. I think you'll see a lot of misdirection stuff. I think Gus will be aggressive. I think that they know they've got to come out of this game with points. They're going to have to score points. And I do think we saw Florida in the first half against LSU play neck-to-neck with the Tigers. Auburn's going to have to with the LSU Tigers. Auburn's going to have to do the same thing. They're going to have to find a way to control the football and convert with seven. Because I think you can do a good job defensively against LSU. But your defense will wilt over four quarters if your offense can't score points. Your defense is on the field for too many snaps. Your defense gets a little worn and a little vulnerable into the fourth quarter, even if you're dominant early on, because of your ineffectiveness of being able to finish drives offensively. So we need to watch that. We need to see how that is going to play out. So that's kind of how I see it. I Listen, I, I, I'm not a big fan of predicting games because I think a lot of times what I like to focus on is what are the keys. I think we've presented some of them, and let's see how this plays out. And, again, look at how the, how the players play, not just the stats. Stats are very misleading, as we always like to say. But, you know, I think LSU's the more talented team of the two. Um, I think they are more explosive. I do think Auburn has better defensive talent than LSU overall. Um, So it's going to have to be a game in which Auburn's offense exceeds expectations, controls this game. Auburn's offense has to control it with touchdowns on the end of sustained drives. That will allow their defense to do their thing. That's their chance, and that's their their one chance that they have to to have uh, to be successful in this game. We shall see what they can do. Um, LSU looks like they're on a mission. They're playing with a lot of focus, and this is the last step they have 
prior to the Alabama game because they have the bye week next week. They're going to be healthy. They're going to have all weapons available. I would expect LSU to continue to be aggressive on offense, to be sharp. And while they may not score at the lightning rates that they've had against lesser defenses, they potentially could score more points than, than Auburn might be able to match. That's my thoughts going into it. We'll see if that plays out that way or if Auburn can pull what would be a significant upset, I think, that would resonate around college football as LSU is now perceived with Alabama's injury issues with Tua, they're perceived as maybe even favorites to go to the national playoffs. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Um, Folks, reminder, we're in conversations with people who are interested in promoting their business with us. We're looking for good fits. If you feel you and your business are the right fit and want to get the word out about your business, contact us today. You can go to LandryFootball.com and hit contact Chris on the top bar and send me an email. And TJ uh, will be in touch with you to discuss it further to see if uh, there's a way we can um, help you, help your business. So uh, we want to you all uh, at least send uh, contact us and see if uh, something might be a fit for the both of us. Reminder also that if you've got a question that you want me to address on this podcast or any podcast for that matter, if perhaps you're watching, listen to this podcast rather, and and you are uh, maybe a, a fan of a school in another league and you want me to address it on that podcast, we can do that as well. As well. So just go to LandryFootball.com. Again, hit contact Chris and let me know what you wish for me to address and on what podcast. Uh, really important to let me know that. And check us out at LandryFootball.com. A unique film room insight from a coach and scouting perspective. Discounts are available. So um, uh, try and uh, for you to try and start as a member. So check it out today at LandryFootball.com. Check out all of our conference podcasts, not just this one. Uh, check out our national college podcast and our NFL podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Be sure to spread the word about the SEC football show, and we'll be back to talk more SEC football uh, next week. Same time, same channel. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.